Just before we jump into this episode, I wanted to give you some context. This episode was recorded in May 2019, a few weeks before the Cat Explorer meetups for Give Your Cat the World Week. These are the meetups that we refer to when speaking about finding cat-friendly locations. Now, let's dive into our chat with Carla. It's something that a lot of us cat explorers have experienced. We're really excited about a holiday. We know where we're going to take our cats exploring, and then we go to book accommodation and we really struggle to find a place. And because of that, today's episode is dedicated to giving you the tips and tricks on how to find cat-friendly places and accommodation. And we've enlisted the help of Carla Francis, who is the author of Travelling with Pets on Australia's East Coast and the blog Pet Friendly Australia. Carla has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to finding pet-friendly places, especially having created a guidebook full of them. And we're so excited to chat to her today. Welcome to the podcast, Carla. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. We'd love to hear the story behind your blog and your books. Do you mind telling us about them? Yeah, sure. So it all began in 2005 when I was living in Japan. So I always grew up with cats and dogs and horses when I was young, but then living in a big city, so I was living in London at the time before I moved to Japan, uh, I didn't have any pets at all. So for probably about a good 10 years of my life, I was completely catless. And then when we arrived in Japan, shortly after we found an adorable cat on the street, And me and my partner rescued him, brought him home, and then the whole thing kind of evolved from that. So seeing how the Japanese love their pets and take pets into bars and cafes and no one blinks an eye, it really kind of made me think, well, why is it us in the Western world that don't do these things? I mean, in Europe, in Madrid and places like that, they're a lot more pet friendly. In Australia, as you guys know, there's not so many places where you can take your pet, especially cats as well. So the whole thing evolved from that. Um, I traveled from one side of Japan to the other on a Shinkansen, which is a bullet train uh, with my cat. And then eventually we moved to Australia. So then that was a whole new world of international pet travel. So that's what actually stimulated the whole idea of the book. And yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Wow, that's so cool. There's so many ways, places we could take that. (laughs) (laughs) So you said that in Japan and in many parts of Europe, it's actually normal and, you know, accepted that you could take your cats into bars and and restaurants and that sort of stuff. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. There just doesn't seem to be the same heavy bylaws that there are in Australia. It's it's a lot of it's to do with the regulations, uh, like where the buildings were built and how the laws are constructed, whether animals are allowed on the actual property rather than the management themselves, although that has a huge bearing on it as well. Well, that's amazing. I mean, like, I don't know that, 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 you know, many parts of the world to, you know, to take your cat into these sort of urban environments and go exploring is just a natural and socially accepted idea. That's, that's incredible. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we were in Japan, we were more rural. So I guess uh, anything goes maybe in the countryside. But certainly uh, on my leaving uh, party night, my best friend took her cat to Kashi along and no one, you know, it was just like an everyday occurrence. Whereas if you did that here, everybody would be, oh my God, oh my God, there's a cat. What? Why is he in a bar, you know? But it was just the most normal thing in the world. So I love that, yeah. That's awesome. So we talked about how you've travelled all over the world and you've there's all these places where you can take cats into these um, urban environments and... <clears throat> Most of our members in our community are constantly looking for places where they can take their cats and do it in a safe and legal manner. 
do you have any suggestions of the types of places we can take these um, our cats to go, to go exploring? Okay, so when I first started to travel with my cat Gershwin, so uh, Gershwin was the cat that I bought with me from Japan to Australia, and the first places we used to go to were log cabins uh, up in the Blue Mountains. So anything that's a little bit more remote would be my suggestion because then you're on private grounds and the kitty can roam and you don't feel anxious about cars, dogs or other people. So certainly if you're a new uh, cat explorer, I would recommend going to somewhere, you know, in the bush and doesn't have any threats from any cars or other people for sure. Um, also, I found that caravan parks are, are pretty uh, good when it comes to taking cats. Um, recently, I drove up the coast and I stayed at um, a caravan park in Ballina. And again, it was quite normal that I was traveling with a cat. So it, it really depends. And you have to do your research in terms of which place is more cat friendly. But I would say definitely go to uh, like a, a mountain kind of retreat first, log cabins or caravan park. That's actually really interesting that you mentioned the Blue Mountains. So the Blue Mountains is about a two-hour drive from Sydney, and that's actually the first place that Lumos and Oxy ever went cat exploring as well. We hired yeah. a cabin for a weekend, and we went exploring them. We realized how much they loved it. So, yeah, yes. that's such a great idea is um, to start there. I think also for people who can't travel as much, there are, like, also quieter places in the city or in urban areas that we might normally miss because we're not really looking for them. But yes. they're also great options. So we've, since that experience in the Blue Mountains, we discovered like a quiet park near us. That's not very popular because it is off a busy road, but it's actually quite far away from the busy road. So most people don't know about it. But it's a nice place to just go and sit and for the kitties to go eat some grass and walk around. So there are those places. It's just looking for them. And normally you're not looking for them, so you don't see them anywhere. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's what's great about your Instagram page is that people can see all of these tips and tricks because yeah, you're focusing a lot more on cats, I guess, whereas mine is pets in general. So then I'm focusing on dogs and cats, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's heaps of places, but yeah, you just have to uh, ask the community where, what they've experienced and get advice from other people has been the best learning curve for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're so lucky. We live in a time when we have things like Instagram, Yes. You can just go to the location tag and you can see whether there's been animals there before. Like I do that all the time. If if I see like even um we we're organizing a meetup at the moment and I literally just went to the brewery's location tag on Instagram and I saw that they had dogs there and I felt more comfortable giving them a call and seeing if they'd be willing to have the cats there. So um I think it's just looking for stuff like that. So when we are looking to make sure that these places that we want to go are cat friendly, is there anything that we should be doing? Like, should we be contacting the business uh, business owners beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of my big uh, lessons was don't assume just because it's dog friendly that it will be cat friendly, because obviously, you know, some people really love dogs and that might not mean that they love cats so much. So, yeah, definitely contact management and see. And also just because the rules change, man management changes all the time. So one week it could be cat and dog friendly, but then the new owner or management could come along and then the rules completely change. So it's really important to keep up to date and know who is accepting what type of pet and when. So, yeah, absolutely. You should contact first. 
I had not thought about the change in management. That's like a really good point. Yeah, I have to because of the, obviously doing the book and my book seems to be published probably every year. And so much can happen in the space of a year. You know, places are maybe sold or the management uh, change, rules change, or they've had a bad experience with a dog visitor. So, yeah, it's don't assume that one year it will be pet friendly, you know, compared to the next, because that happens a lot for sure. Do you have any particular information or spiel that you normally give to these business owners to sort of set up what, you know, what you're trying to get across to them? Uh, that's a good question, actually. When I first started out, uh, I either got, you know, lots of love from the properties and they were like, yeah, this is a great idea. We want to build that market or, you know, complete horror. Absolutely not. We don't have any pets here. So it was there was no middle ground, really. It was either fully on board or not at all. Um, so yeah I, I guess when I tell them nowadays because I'm on my fourth edition of the book it's a lot easier to kind of get the interest and say you know this is a legitimate market people are buying the book there's a there's a demand for it so nowadays I would go down that route and say this is a growing industry you know you're missing out if you don't allow pets in your accommodation that's a really good point as well. I think um something that we can also share when we're talking when we're talking to these business owners. I've found recently, well not so recently, maybe in the about 5 months ago, I found a lot of the businesses I was contacting wouldn't believe me. Yeah. I think they thought that I was pulling a joke. And um it's become a lot easier now that for example, Lumos and Noxy's Instagram has grown bigger and so has Cat Explorer's Instagram. Because I do name drop. I do put them in the email. Yeah. Um uh, because that seems to be the only way that they can take me seriously. Like there's some amazing dog cafes and things like that around Sydney who I asked, oh, can we, is it possible to bring our cat? And they were like, no. I was like, okay, well, not much I can do about that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that just might be out of fear, you know, of having dogs and cats mixed together. Mm -hmm. So I've heard of some horrible incidences where dogs have attacked cats, for example. So there might be some resistance because of that as well. So they yeah, don't yeah, the, for insurance reasons or whatever, they don't want that responsibility maybe on their property. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, like, for example, with our upcoming meetup, I spoke to the brewery yesterday and they said we need to make sure that everyone, all the cats are in their backpacks and they're leashed. And, like, we're even considering finding an area where they won't have dogs in their brewery for the cats because they're, they, they are concerned about that. So that is a very good point. I actually um, think it's also important to note that when we're out and about with our cats, we need to be aware that other dogs, even though some your cat might be dog friendly, other dogs may not be cat friendly to your dog. So just bear in mind where you sit with your cat, like try and not sit on a table that's right next to a dog and things like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. There was one time we were walking, uh, doing the Glebe foreshore walk and uh, I saw a guy um with a cat and the cat was out but then he just got surrounded by all of these dogs and you know I went over and I said are you okay you know shall I help kind of keep the dogs away because I just felt you know like he was getting kind of intimidated by all the dogs and the dogs weren't being threatening they were just you know interested who is this other species that kind of is out in my territory so yeah I guess it's you just have to be mindful of the fact that you don't know how other animals are going to react mm. Now, that's definitely right because for example when we were recently out on a walk as well we've and uh, not just recently but always we're very mindful of the presence of dogs and so we'll go out of our way to pick up lumos and noxy to make sure that you know that interaction doesn't happen or if that interaction does happen that's it's done at a safe distance where 
nothing can really happen or minimizing the risk of things happening. I also want to circle back to what we were saying before with businesses. I just want to and I just want to put on the business hat and give some points from their perspective that I think is some of the reasons why it is what it is in that it's reputational damaging to them as well if there are incidents between cats and dogs or incidents in general. So we talked about the insurance side of things and that's one aspect of it as well as having any incidents like no one wants to be on the news for the bad reasons or bad news. So that could partially be a reason why and some people just yeah don't have that sort of viewpoint in them to sort of see it that way the way we see it and how you know having dogs and cats around is awesome but for them it's also extra work i mean their staff and their their business is there to serve you know more most more or less to serve people and serve drinks and so forth and they might feel like they have to do extra work to mind these cats and dogs and make sure that it's all going smoothly which case they're not prepared to take on which is fair enough on that point it's a business they run and they've got competing objectives so i think that's partly why some some businesses don't necessarily want to take on that sort of responsibility yeah i agree um but then recently i was in uh la probably about two years ago and i couldn't believe the number of pets that were in hotels there even to the point where they had welcome sign welcome to all of our furry guests right outside the hotel so then i asked some of the receptionists in the hotel you know how come you you guys are so pet friendly and they said well it's because we have service animals so service animals uh, are allowed into the hotels and legally they're not allowed to ask for any documentation whether it is a professional service animal or not so i found that very very interesting that you know Pets can just pretty much go anywhere. And even in the airports at uh, LAX, there was a pet walking area with toilets. And I sat next to this lovely lady that had a big furry white dog on her lap in the um, at the gate before we took off. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, you just would not see this in Australia. So that, that was amazing to me to see that level of pet friendliness. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love that. And I think... Um... A lot of our members in our community do travel on the plane with their cats and they have an amazing time um, traveling. And it's awesome that those facilities are there and those hotels are pet friendly. Like that's just so awesome. So how about when we were exploring while we're out and about and we stumble across a location that we want to take our cats in, what, we sh- what should we do to check if it is cat friendly? Uh, well, definitely I would call ahead first uh and sometimes you know you can get places that say that they're not pet friendly or don't advertise that do accept pets uh we once contacted um a retreat in the hunter valley which is uh, famous for wine and uh it just looked beautiful and i said oh, i really want to go there but i want to take my cat with me and uh, so we called and she said, you know, would you be willing to let us bring our cat along? And they were like, yeah, you know, sure. As long as it's not in peak time, you can bring your cat. So there is possibility that if you contact them and it's not, you know, say at Easter or Christmas, then they, they may let you bring your cat along. So, yeah, call ahead first and, yes, see if they will let you, I guess. And I'll just add to that in that if you are out and about and, you know, the option of calling ahead is not possible or you're already there there and then I suggest if you're with this helps when you're with more than one person then send someone in first and just ask them the question and approach them to say can we bring our cats in and then if they say yes great then you're able to take them in yeah that's true yeah 
Well, we, we recently we went to uh, the Blue Mountains and there's a cafe. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a small cafe and it's like a juice bar. And we had Shinsei in the car and I was desperate to get a juice. And we just ran, my partner ran in and said, we have the cat in the car. Can he come and sit outside? And they were like, yeah, sure. Just bring him in. So I think it's called Matters. Um, but that was fabulous because that was spare of the moment and the guy was very welcoming and, and there was no issue. So it depends on the person and the place totally. Yeah, definitely. When we were recently on the Great Ocean Road, which is a long road, a scenic road on the bottom of Australia, um, we happened to go into a brewery, I suppose, or a pub kind of a that kind of thing. And um, I saw that they had like – they weren't on the list of pet-friendly places for the Great Ocean Road, so it hadn't even occurred to us to take the cats there. And then I saw that they had like a wall of dogs, like they'd taken Polaroids. So I just – as a kind of joke, I just said, oh, I like, are you guys cat-friendly? And then they pretty much begged us to come back with the cats. Like, Yeah, wow. I was I was really <laughs> shocked. So then when we, di- when we did go back with the cats, like they were so excited. They gave them like chicken and like – and that was – a place that just wasn't on our radar like sometimes you just need to ask the question like and sometimes if you're scared of people saying no ask it as a joke and then they're more willing to say yes yeah another big thing that I look for is if there's water bowls outside so if you see water bowls outside then you know that they're probably going to accept some kind of animal for sure <laughs> what also helps with the rate of um, acceptance from business owners is that we normally look for places which have outdoor seating so mm. that usually allows for for us to take the cats and then <clears throat> we mentioned you know the on harnesses the they're in the backpacks and you know sort of just let them know that you know these guys are trained and they're well behaved because i i guess from their point of view as a business owner the biggest fear is for to, to take these to let these cats in and they run amok and then jump on their shelves or whatever and, <laughs> and then scratch crazy. The <laughs> that's right scratch the furniture so we sort of provide that um level of comfort for them so that they understand you know where we're coming from and that we'll be responsible about it as well yeah I think that's the main thing uh, to make sure that you come across as a uh, responsible pet owner as you say uh, sometimes I've name dropped as well <laughs> shamelessly and said you know my cat's been in magazines he's he's in a book uh, he's done commercials so you know just to put their mind at risk that he's kind of you know he's not an ordinary cat he's not going to scratch the furniture he's very well behaved so yeah, some, sometimes I use that shamelessly. I'd just like to add, that's not just to say that if you don't have that level of um, exposure, you can't take your cats out. Because just to put into perspective, Lumos and Noxie at one point were, you know, cats which didn't have a large following on Instagram, weren't on TV and so forth. And we still took them out. We took them out from almost, you know, the very early age. So, and what I was saying before with regards to just, Give, giving them that level of comfort really helps and goes a long way. Yeah, sure. It depends how you come across, I think. And, you know, yeah. you, have, you have confidence and you say, we're not going to cause a problem. We're not going to damage anything. We're responsible. Yeah, for sure. And it, it really helps to smile, really smile and be friendly. That goes a long <laughs> way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about being responsible before. And what the things that comes across as a question for a lot of cat explorers is, making sure we're considerate of others when we're exploring. Is there anything that we should be keeping in mind? Um, I think 
probably for me, one of the biggest things that I don't often think about because I don't have an allergy is the fact that other people do have allergies to cats. So if I'm taking my cat to stay in accommodation, I would always take, you know, a big sheet, a cover sheet to put over the furniture, bring along their own beds just to make sure that if they do shed while they're there, it's minimal, you know, and if they have the facility of having a vacuum, make sure that you vacuum afterwards. So just be considerate and mindful that people do have allergies would be my biggest takeaway. Yeah. I think I'm, so I'm not sure whether you're aware, but Daniel is actually quite allergic to cats. So, (laughs) so that is something um, I like, we hadn't had experience with that before Lumos and Noxy. And I'll admit, as a child, my family, we used to sneak our cat into accommodation, which I now know is a big no-no. Like, don't do that because what if the person who comes in next is severely allergic to cats? We have friends who can't breathe when they're near Lumos and Noxy. Like, that is just something we need to bear in mind. We are also really conscious when we're in a cafe and we sit down and we realize that the people in the table next to us just start sneezing a lot. We'll find that we usually kind of either just have a coffee rather than have a whole meal just because we don't want someone else to have an allergic reaction just because we're out there with our cats, um, which is – it's. I have to admit, I've become more conscious of it because of Daniel. Like, I probably wouldn't have been beforehand. Yeah, it's only when I've met my friends and they've said, you know, we can't come over and stay at your house because you have cats or somebody stayed at my house and have woken up and their eyes have been huge and red and very irritated that it's made me aware that, you know, there's a lot of people out there with cat allergies, Yeah. So we talked about accommodation, and for many members of the cat explorer community, we're in the position where we want to go on holiday, and then we struggle to find cat-friendly accommodation because it's just hard. It says pet-friendly, but it's not even necessarily cat-friendly. What suggestions do you have to find cat-friendly accommodation? Well, uh, this will be a bit of a shameless plug, but if you're in Australia, you could buy my book because I've uh, done a lot of lot of research since 2011. Um, about places that do accept pets and we've used special icons to denote whether it's pet friendly dog friendly bird friendly or accepts all types of pets Um, other than that I mean there is a wealth of information out there nowadays a lot of the big travel companies are having pet friendly filters on their uh, search buttons however sometimes they're not reliable so Somebody might say, yeah, we are pet friendly, but then you go further down and you look on the features of the property and then unfortunately it doesn't say that pets are allowed. So there's a bit of conflicting information. It hasn't been streamlined perfectly. Um, However, some of the bigger companies do say, if you scroll right down to the bottom, they will say, uh, you know, that we allow pets uh, that might be dogs under a certain weight and cats as well with certain requirements. So it might be something like you, you have to pay an extra bond, for example. And that was another suggestion I was going to make. If you do go to a place that perhaps isn't pet friendly and you want to stay the night, you could make that as a suggestion. You know, I know that you're not pet friendly, but how about if I pay an extra fee to prevent against damage as a deposit? Then that might be something that make people willing to accept cats as well. That's a really good idea. I really like that one. Um, we've um, I found something really interesting recently. So with the growth of, for example, Airbnb in Australia. So before Airbnb, I always used to use Stays or Home and Away. So I'm not sure whether those sites are available on other in other countries. But um, to find pet friendly accommodation, because all you do is click that pet friendly accommodation um, filter. But 
lately in the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to find some pet friendly accommodation in Sydney, trying to find it in Melbourne. And then I've spoken to people overseas who've been trying to find it in their cities. And I've, we've all been finding that Airbnb is not very reliable for pet friendly accommodation. Like it's um, it, like for Melbourne, like a hundred places came up and there was only one that was cat friendly when I went through every single listing like it was quite frustrating. So I think in those situations, uh, trying to find a hotel is your better option, really. Yeah, I um, completely agree. And that's what, um, you know, pr- prompted me to write the book was because I was spending hours and hours trawling like yourselves to, you know, go through all of these properties that say that they're pet friendly, only to find out that they're not or they only take dogs, for example. Um, and it was just exhausting. I was spending more time doing that than actually preparing and planning for the trip, you know, and it, and it kind of took the enjoyment out of it all for me in a way. So, yeah, I absolutely agree that although there is a trend now and people are starting to become more aware of pet friendly accommodation and welcoming pets, that often the filters probably are not that reliable at this stage. And I hope that changes in the future. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I find um, places like Booking.com or What If, they also their pet friendly filters have seen, from in my experience, have been pretty accurate. It's just the Airbnb one that just seems to have been a bit off lately. Um, and one thing that I always try and do is also I'll look at the reviews because if you've had a pet, you tend to leave a review because it's so hard to find pet friendly accommodation. You want the hotel to do well because they are pet friendly. And on that, I also, I think I encourage people to leave a review when they've been to a pet friendly um, hotel or Airbnb so that other people can find it. It makes it a lot easier for everyone. But if they've mentioned their dog or their cat or how people have gone above and beyond for their pets, I think that's um, something great to keep an eye out for as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in Google reviews, if you search for the property and it has a Google business page, then you can read all the reviews. And if it has five stars and you scroll down and there's pets being mentioned, then yeah, you know that you're onto a winner. Absolutely. And as an aside, although this, you can't, you can't actually tell this for most, I think most instances on websites, but what we've found is that most places like Airbnbs or um, rental properties, which allow pets, uh, people who are run by people who are pet owners themselves and they have their own pets, which for us is great to meet because you know you, you meet you're meeting like-minded people who totally understand where you're coming from and your struggles, and that's why you know they're allowing pets on their property. So that's great, but unfortunately you can't really tell that from the the website listing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, so I guess that's one thing to look out for if you do do a search in Google and you're scrolling down. Um, I was looking at wineries this week and a lot of the wineries had, you know, that they had a resident wine dog. So then or and some actually had wine cats as well that lived lived on the property. So then that's an indication that these people are like minded, like you say. So they're more than likely going to welcome you. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point as well. Um, so I we've spoken about trying to book accommodation and I think we're in agreement that we should check with the owners or management of the accommodation to make sure that it's cat friendly before you book it. We've spoken about like shamelessly name dropping your social media handles and things like that. Is there anything else that we could do to encourage owners and management of accommodation to be comfortable with having, having your cat there? Uh, So as I said before, mentioning that you're willing to pay the bond a, a deposit and telling them, you know, how you're going to set up the room, that you're bringing your cat's own bed, a sheet to protect the furniture, and that 
he'll be out on a leash. He won't be roaming out out by himself and attacking the wildlife, which is another big concern for many people, rightly so. Uh, so just think about the things that other people will worry about and try and um, put their minds at rest by saying how you're going to overcome these things if they were to happen. Yeah, that's a great, great idea as well. One thing that um, I, I didn't initially do this, but uh, Airbnb um, host did ask me to do it. And ever since that, I've been doing it is take our own scratching pole along as well. So it's only like um, 30 centimetres tall. It's quite um, short, but it actually makes Lumos and Noxie feel like there's something that's theirs. So yeah. they will go scratch that and it makes them feel a lot better. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. And you can get smaller scratch posts nowadays, can't you, that are uh, vertical rather than horizontal, so they're easier to pack. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And what else we also say normally is that we say, you know, Lumos and Oxy are litter trained, so, you know, they know where to go and they're pretty tidy and neat. And I guess generally just sort of outlining how, that yeah, they don't really make a mess. They don't really scratch things and Quicker trained as well. Quicker trained as well. So we're covering all the bases in terms of how they're well-behaved, well-traveled cats. And we do actually also mention that they've traveled to many places as well. So they've lived in other environments which are similar and in many, many different places. So it's not like they're new experience for them. And that sort of helps as well to sort of just give the owner a sense that these guys know what they're doing pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the I guess you have to stress that the cat is well traveled. It's used to being in places that they're not familiar with just to put people's minds at rest. Yeah, absolutely. I think we also need to um, take a step back and also think about how would someone who's never had exposure to cats think that a cat would act in their property and then think so that's usually like the um, stereotype is that they scratch all the furniture, they jump in everything, they pull the curtains down, all that st- kind of stuff. So I think um, if we take that perspective, we need to highlight that they won't scratch the furniture because they've got scratching posts and you bring your sheets along so you're covering all the furniture. And then also a big thing that I found really useful is actually just explaining the concept of cat exploring and the fact that they're tired by the end of the day. So they're not going to be doing the zoomsies and pulling furniture the curtains down and stuff like that like that and that also actually creates a lot of really interesting conversation to the point that we've had quite a few hosts plan their day around us so that they could meet Lumos and Noxie because they want to watch them walking on a leash like it's just another way to approach that conversation yeah I agree and another tip so we were talking about um, how our cats potentially have gone to other different places and stayed at other places as well but well, first timers, that might be a hard sell because that's never happened before. But what you could also mention is that these are domestic cats who, you know, stay most of the time indoors at home and you know, they're quite well behaved indoors. They don't go knocking all your furniture down and all your, you know, high placed belongings. And you could also mention if it's happened before that you've taken them to, say, friends' places and they well behaved there. And you know, it's just generally speaking that they're adaptable and they, don't get freaked out in new environments if, if that could, could potentially help sort of sell uh, the owner on letting you stay yeah and that you're bringing all of your uh, own bowls and beds so you won't be using any of their dishes because I think some people that have stayed with pets might use their cutlery in their bowls for pet food which hasn't gone down particularly well so yeah I guess you know the cat's coming he's self-sufficient we won't be using any of your 
property or your um, the things that you have in your house. We won't be damaging the house. And he'll definitely be leashed when he goes in the gardens is the things that I would be saying for sure. Yeah. So the tip there, I guess, is that we've got to be prepared as pet owners to do the work that we need to do to make sure that everyone is accepting and ready to be comfortable with this situation. Because, of course, if you turn up with just your cat and say, I'd like to stay, it's a very high chance most um, business owners and most accommodation uh, owners will say no because you haven't done the homework and you haven't done the work to make the situation a, you know a lower risk and put the mind at ease yep yeah exactly so we're coming towards the end of our podcast and um we've got a few questions that we ask every single guest that comes on what is one piece of advice that you would give to new cat explorers um so I would say definitely if you're traveling with your cat for the first time uh, to make sure that you take wet wipes with you because I've had some incidences where kitties have got gotten sick on the way up a mountain or the way down the mountain with the windy roads. Uh, the other thing I would say is definitely invest in a good calming spray if you're traveling for the first time and you don't know that your pet is going to actually like being in a vehicle because all cats are different. So I have three cats. One loves to travel, the other two not so much. So uh, to try and make their journey easier, I would always um, definitely use a calming spray for the two that don't travel as well as Shinsei um, and invest in a good harness or walking jacket. So I've just bought a new one online called Safety Cats from the US. And I love the idea of it because it's Velcro. So you don't have to mess around with the straps with the holster kitty harness. They They've always been too complicated for me to use. So this new one looks brilliant because you just strap the Velcro around the neck and around the tummy. So it'll be a lot, lot easier to put on the cat, you know, and you don't have to get the cat stressed and yourself stressed before you go outside. So they would be the three things I would say. Um, and just take it slowly. You know, cats are not dogs. Uh, train the, the cat before you leave. Get it used to the smell of the um, whatever carrier you're taking him in. Uh, put treats in there so they associate traveling with uh, food, <laughs> which they all love, and and bring something that smells from home. So if you have a, a blanket that they sleep on at home, put that in the carrier so that they know the smell. And, uh, yeah, and it's all familiar for them. Yeah, no, they're all good tips. And I just wanted to reiterate one of the points that you made, which was windy roads. So we didn't yeah. know that. The cats didn't like windy roads until we went on the Great Ocean Road trip that we were talking about before. And then Lupus and Oxy on these windy <laughs> roads started meowing and meowing and meowing and like they hated it. So it, I, can, I, can, I can understand why now if you, you know, put yourself in their shoes and you go, it's probably quite dizzy and quite, you know, an experience for them. So just bear that in mind, guys, if you are on windy roads, cats might not necessarily love that. Yeah, I'm bad on windy roads myself, so I completely empathise with the cats. <laughs> Though, interestingly, that on that particular day that they were really upset, we actually had probably our best ever day of cat exploring. Like, we did a 5K hike where they hiked themselves. We went to the beach. We went to a distillery, went to an ice cream place. Like, it, the windy roads wasn't the fun bit, but, like, it's possible to still have fun. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's well worth it when you get there. And I, I remember driving to, I think it was to the Kangaroo Valley, and we spent a long time on the road through traffic. And I was like, oh, no, he's yelling the whole way. He's yelling the whole way. He's not enjoying it. But then as soon as we got to the destination, it was beautiful. He went out straight away. As soon as we got uh, out of the car, we took him for a walk before we unpacked everything. And yeah, it was really worth it. You could just see how excited he was to be out in the great outdoors, smelling and sniffing the clean air and rummaging in the leaves. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was well worth it. Oh, that's great. So what's been the most enter- entertaining comment someone said to you while you've been out and about with your cat? Uh, so I don't know if it's so entertaining, but it, it just really raised uh, my awareness of how dog people think compared to cat people think. So recently I traveled from Sydney up to far north Queensland with three cats in a camper van. And en route, we stayed at many, many caravan parks. And one park was owned by a guy that was an Akita in so the huge Japanese dogs had pictures of them everywhere. He even had a shrine to um, a dog that he'd had before. So a massive dog enthusiast. Anyway, we was asking him about the facilities. Uh, where where can I go swimming? Uh, where's the laundry? And then I had Shinsei outside on a leash. And uh, he looked at me and looked at the cat like he'd never seen anything like that before. And he said, uh, if you want to take him down the road, there's a dog hill, uh, dog park down the road. It's off leash. You can let him run free if you want. I was like, oh, wow, you have no idea about cats at all. So it just raised, <laughs> yeah, it just raised awareness for me that, you know, we, we are kind of different in the way that we think about our pets. That's funny. I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know how I would have reacted to that one. <laughs> But, but it is true, like, it's thinking, like, we need to think about the fact that not everyone's got that experience with cats as well when we're out and about. So that's, yeah, that's quite interesting. Which cat explorers inspire you? Well, for sure, you two, you guys absolutely inspire me. Um, probably in the US, uh, I follow Tuna the Adventure Cat and Alistair in Wonderland just because the shots they take are beautiful and he wears really flamboyant costumes. Um, closer to home in Australia, Van Cat Meow with Willow, just because he's travelled extensively around Australia. And also uh, Sydney-based Hello Pistachio, just because I like the pictures that they've taken of the cat outside uh, the Opera House and the Harbour Bridge. I thought that was very cute. So, yeah. Yeah, you've definitely picked some of my favourite. We're so excited because um, Willow and Rich are on the podcast in season three, so they give some great tips on how they've travelled around the world. And Pistachio, oh my goodness, that is the most friendly cat that I've ever met. Like they came along to a previous meetup, and Lumos and Noxie weren't happy. They're not very great with other cats, but Pistachio just came up and snuggled up next to them, next to the bag, and just such a calm cat. <laughs> the other thing I've just remembered about uh, what I've taken with me when I've travelled, when we did do that long route up to uh, far new North Queensland, is that I invested in a pet playpen. So the two girls that are not very good on a leash, uh, they went in a big, uh, you can get them from Kmart very cheap, and they just sat outside. I didn't have to put a leash on them, but they could observe uh, the other cats and say walking around. So if you do have a cat and he's not confident on a leash yet or you're doing it for the first time, investing in a pet playpen is was very, very good for me, especially being in a camper van as well. That's awesome. That's a really good point. And I've actually seen um, people set that up in outdoor cafes. 
So while they're eating, their cat sits in that, which I think is a great idea. So is it a playpen, an enclosure? Is that what it is? Like a crate? Yeah. Uh, it's nylon, so you can see through it uh, at all angles, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, perfect. Soft fabric, yep. And that's a great way to lead into our next question, which is what product, service, or program has been a game changer for your cat? Okay, so definitely, as I said before, the uh, pet playpen was great because also when you're traveling, some bed and breakfasts might say that the cat is only allowed on the tiled floor. That happened to me when I was staying in a bed and breakfast in Queensland. So the question is, how do you keep your cat from not going into maybe the bedroom or only staying on the tiled floor? So I had to use a pet playpen for that, which was very useful. The other product that I have been recommended recently is this one. So it's the Back Rescue Remedy. So I've used all of the calming products for when I've traveled uh, extensively with uh, cats in the car, some of them being nervous travelers. Um, and this one works the best and it's the human uh, version. I think they do do a pet version as well. Um, but a vet in Newcastle recommended it to me and they said, just put two drops on the uh, fur at the back of the neck and it will just um, dissolve into the skin. And it's it's been a game changer. It really, really has chilled some of my most anxious cats out. So I would really recommend that. Wow, and that's can, a really interesting you, one. Yeah, you can get it from any pharmacy. So it's really, really easy to get hold of. That's really interesting. And, I, and as always, we always suggest that everyone speaks to their vet before using anything because each cat might be sensitive to different things and um, stuff like that. But that's a great, great option because um, I think everyone uses Feelyway. That seems to be the most popular, well-known one. So it's great to know there are other options. That one's great. And I've used it a lot myself, the plugins and the spray. But I've noticed that the cats don't like anything that has a spray. So they, they know they associate the sound with I don't know, water or liquid perhaps. So whenever I get it out, they can they know the bottle. They know the sound of the bottle before I've even got near them. So they just run off. So it's very difficult to apply it, I found. But this one, because it's just a liquid and it's on a squirty bottle, you just part, part the skin like you would with uh, the worming um, solutions. And it's been fantastic. Really, really good. That's awesome. That's a great tip. So Carla, thank you so much for joining us today. It, like we've really enjoyed it and um, you've given us some great, great tips for our community. So where can we find you online? Uh, so you can find us online. Our social media hashtag or handle is at Pet Friendly Australia. The website is www.pet-friendlyaccommodation.com.au and uh, the handle is the same for the Facebook page as well. And your books as well. I believe they're available everywhere in Australia. Yeah, everywhere. So you can buy online, uh, Amazon and Dimux and all of the big bookstores. Yeah. And just uh, for everyone listening, what's the title of the books? Uh, Travelling with Pets on Australia's East Coast. Yeah. That's awesome. So what we'll do is we'll put those links and any other links that we spoke about today in um, the show notes, which will be available at catexplorer.co forward slash podcast. And thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to us if you could hit subscribe and review the Cat Explorer podcast on wherever you listen to podcasts. This will help us continue to get some awesome guests for you. As always, thank you so much for being a part of the Cat Explorer community. That's it for today. We'll catch you guys next time. In the meantime, enjoy giving a kitty the world. <laughs>